What's going on, guys? It's Clint Island here with the Weekly Knoll Instant Reaction Podcast. I'm coming to you live Saturday night after Florida State lost to Notre Dame 42-13. It's, again, going to be an Instant Reaction Podcast. Don't expect too much because we have other stuff planned later in the week. But this is just our observations from the game. Uh, just what came or what jumped out to us and what we really feel like we need to talk about after this one. So Mike's not joining me. He actually did go Notre Dame. He's in South Bend. I hope he did not freeze to death. I'm pretty sure he'll be coming back. I I heard it's a great tailgating experience, so we can ask Mike about that next week, and hopefully he's not too bitter about the loss, but, uh, I mean, really, what would he have been expecting anyways? So 42-13, Florida State more or less gets run off the field here. Um, this game's actually a bit closer or was closer during the game, you know, in the middle of the game, than a lot of people were expecting, right? Because a lot of us expected Notre Dame to come out, dominate, and then just run up the score for the rest of the game. Uh, That never really happened. Uh, Florida State had a horrible beginning. They spotted Notre Dame 17 points to start, and then they kind of inched their way back, and finally they scored, and... They score a touchdown only to have Ricky Aguayo's kick get blocked and returned for two points for Notre Dame. Uh, just a comedy of errors. I mean, just just a total embarrassment, right? That, that's kind of what Florida State has been this year. It's just every single mistake or embarrassing play that you can think of, Florida State's going to do it. And if they haven't done it already, and that Notre Dame kick, that was another one just to cross off the list, check in bingo, whatever, uh, Florida State just manages to find a way to embarrass itself on national TV every single week. My main observation from this game is that even if it was closer than the final score may have indicated, even if it was a somewhat competitive game, I actually thought that there were more bad developments in this one than I did against Clemson or NC State. Uh, NC State, maybe the defensive line was a bit worrying, but against Notre Dame, I actually thought that the team made certain mistakes and that the coaches made certain decisions that really, really deserve an answer. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to be happy with a lot of what happened on Saturday, But uh, it's not going to be because of the final score. It's not going to be because of a lot of the individual plays. I think it's going to be because of personnel and play calling decisions, which have more or less received a lot of criticism over the season, but may not have been accurate. Well, I think that tonight they were. It's it's pretty accurate to criticize this coaching staff for a lot of what happened. And uh, first, you know, let's get to the elephant in the room. Why is Francois starting? From everything we've heard, James Blackman wants to redshirt. That is why he apparently came to the coaches and he told them that he wants to redshirt. And if that's true, then that makes sense. Because you don't want to play him in a meaningless game that you're probably going to lose anyway. You know, season's kind of it's kind of already lost. You have two games. You need to win both of them to make a bowl. It's kind of out of reach. Well, you know, James Blackman comes to you and he says he wants to redshirt, then you kind of... In order to make him happy, in order to kind of get him to stay, you either say yes, okay, we'll redshirt you, or you tell him, look, we want to put you out there because we think that you give the team the best chance of winning, and we think that you are the best player for the job right now. 
I don't know what the thought process was behind it, but for whatever reason, Francois played the whole game tonight. And it, to me, that's an indication that Blackman wants a redshirt and that they are trying to obey his wishes. And now if Francois gets injured, maybe you could see Blackman in, but I think that's their that's what they're kind of telling themselves is that the only way Blackman's coming in is if Francois is out and it is confirmed that he is out for a long time. Now, I could see it where maybe Francois is injured and they may put it back up. I mean, that's if, like like a walk-on backup. I mean, that's if they are totally bent on just letting the season go, right? I mean, that's if you just don't care. You can say, whatever, we were starting a walk-on later in the season. We want to save that red shirt. But you saw what happens when Francois is out there, right? Because he had open receivers. Florida State's receivers got enough separation for a lot of the game. They had drops. They had bad drops, actually. Tamori and Terry had an awful game from that perspective. But in general, Florida State had enough time in the pocket, and they had enough open receivers down the field, but Francois couldn't hit them. You know, that, that's the story of the season. When Francois gets in the game, that's what you need to expect. If you're expecting anything different, I don't know what to tell you. We have nine games, eight games, I guess seven for Francois. Seven games showing you what he can and can't do. And so he finishes tonight with like 27 completions for 200 yards. You know, that that's not good. Some of those were towards the end of the game too when it didn't really matter. So, I, you know, that's what we all expected. Uh, if you're hoping that Taggart's trying to redshirt Blackman and that that's the only reason he wasn't playing, well, you know, I, I think that's a fair assumption. Uh, if Blackman does play later, though, it's it's going to get very bad. Uh, I, I don't think you can blame the staff for things like Hawkman transferring. You know, I think that's something that will that'll mess up any plan, right? But at some point, you have to show that you have control over a situation. You have to show that you have control over a depth chart, right? And if Blackman comes in later and you burn the red shirt, it's going to have a lot of questions uh, circling around your competency and your staff. And that there's going to be justified questions about it. But overall, in this game, we talk about personnel, we talk about Francois. What I thought was the most disturbing, to put it in quotation marks, was Walt Bell's tendency to call plays that did not fit the situation and that did not have the right players to run them. Specifically, I'm thinking of stuff like Jacquez Patrick getting outside runs or getting uh, runs that start sort of in the back, you know, on a sweep and whatnot. Because, well, one, we know that that's not Jacquez Patrick's game. He's an inside-the-tackle runner. He's tough. He's shown that he's... More than good, he's probably shown that he should start over Acres, but regardless, you know he he doesn't fit the offense as much. But you see him go up the middle and run guys over and successfully execute some of those power runs, and you think, okay, this is what he should be used for. And instead, well, he'll do those inside runs, and then Walt Bell or Willie Taggart will pitch him out, and then it's like, well, you know, is that really his best use? When he's getting tackled six yards behind the line of scrimmage, is that really how you want to use Jacquez Patrick? I don't get that. Uh, I don't know what George Campbell did 
George Campbell, excuse me, did in practice to earn all the playing time. If he played hard and he had a great week of practice, whatever. But George Campbell was out there for a lot of snaps, and he was out there for a lot of situations that I don't, I don't really know why you have him out there. You know, third and fourth down passes, and Francois is targeting Campbell. This is a guy who has been in the program since, what, 2014? And he has not shown in any of his years that he's a, reli- he's a reliable receiver. So why is he the option on third and fourth down? And those, those passes weren't even close to him. which It was half Francois, half Campbell. But I, I don't know why he's out on the field for those plays. Then Ontario Wilson, another. Later in the game, Ontario Wilson... Is going down the sidelines. It's on a deep ball. It's when you need, I think it was a third down, third down and long, and he just whiffs on the ball, right? Just totally alligator arms. It just horrible, horrible play. Why is he out there? Why is Ontario Wilson, of all players, out there? And if you're saying it's because of effort, okay, we'll accept that, but that's kind of weird that this is just now showing in the Notre Dame game, right? I just don't, I, I don't get those types of decisions. And I think that that's an area where the staff really failed this game. And you saw Nyquan Murray out there a bunch. Did Nyquan Murray really have a attitude change in one week of practice? What is this staff trying to sell? Like, what is the goal here, right? What is the goal with playing DeAndre Francois, Nyquan Murray, George Campbell, guys who have shown they just can't get it done on the field? Walt Bell, situational play calling again. Third, you know, goal line, third downs, right? He's calling weird plays, especially in the red zone. For whatever reason, Florida State's red zone offense just has nothing to it. It just can't get the job done. I think part of that's because Francois. I mean, he can't do read options. He's just not capable. So right there, that limits you. And I don't think that they trust Francois enough to actually throw it inside the red zone. They probably think he's going to get intercepted. But at some point, as a coach, this needs to be enough of a situational awareness. You know, this needs, this needs to be enough of a situation that you prepare for, that you have go-to plays, that you have go-to setups. And they did have it earlier in the game when they had Cam Akers on a Wildcat, and he did well. He actually made a very, very good read option, ran it in for a touchdown. And for some reason, we saw that once, and from there on, it, it was nothing. I I just, it, it was a weird game from that standpoint. And it's it's shocking because in the previous games, I think play calling got derided a bit too much. In fact, I thought play calling was good. Uh, in this one, again, I think overall it was positive. But in the situations I just mentioned, Florida State just looked lost. It just looked like the coaches did not know who to turn to. That amounts to a 42-13 loss where you didn't record a sack. Uh, you didn't record a passing touchdown. You really didn't do a lot of what you were supposed to do. And uh, the defense, again, we mentioned last week, Harlan Barnett has a aversion to putting safeties on anybody else in the red zone. He loves putting safeties on wide receivers, and it's not going to change. All right, we've had nine games. It's not changing, guys. In the red zone, you're just going to see guys like Homs and Nazareldine uh, lined up against 
wide receivers and he's going to get beat a lot of times and Barnett for whatever reason he just does not feel like it needs to be altered so I I don't know what else to say about that that's just that that's coaching I mean that's just poor poor decision making other things uh, again there's nothing that well I you know what we do have to give credit to the offensive line because I don't think people realize the offensive line had a fine game uh, we get on people like Jawan Williams a lot, and trust me, they're not good by any means, and they did not have a stellar game by any measure. But look at the numbers. I mean, Florida State averaged 3.5 yards per carry, which is not good, but it's better than they have this season. Over 106 yards on the ground, uh, two touchdowns on the ground. They gave Francois enough time to make plays, but he never actually made those plays because that's on him. But overall, the offensive line looked capable. And that was pretty incredible considering that Notre Dame was a team who has the most pressures uh, in the nation. I I actually, I shouldn't say that, but they have some of the most pressures in the nation, right? There's still a few plays that were very ugly. Still a few plays that the offensive line did not do their job. But overall, I think that they deserve credit. And I think that the staff deserves credit for, again, making... Something out of nothing there. And we can all look forward to 2019 and 2020. But in these next two games, if Florida State wants to win either one of them against Boston College or Florida, that offensive line is going to have to come through. Other things, uh, the safeties still. A.J. Westbrook is probably one of the worst safeties I've ever seen at FSU or that I've ever seen in college football. Uh, he's, he's, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the kid, but he's just, he, he can't play. He just can't. I think he get he's he's gone after this year. I mean, he just can't play. That's about all I have for tonight, guys. Again, there's a lot to get from this game, but uh, we will be going over that later in some articles and probably next week when Mike gets back. Thank you so much for your time tonight. We have two sponsors we want to shout out: NoFan.org and Southern Solutions LLC. Great sponsors. Uh, we're nearing a two-year relationship with them so it's uh it's pretty nice to have somebody who's always been there for you for two years especially at a smaller website where you know we try to we try to up our game and we try to really break into that beat i think we've done a fantastic job thanks to those guys and thanks to you the listener since mike is once again gone i'll say a very frigid adios for him good night guys